Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Since it first started tumbling into Ireland through the old pirate coves of West Cork and in the stomachs of drug mules coming from Miami, cocaine has become the drug of our nation. It has swept in like a blizzard, dusting every corner of every small town. And so swift and total has its spread been that the Irish are now some of the biggest users in the world. But to unravel how a small island like ours on the edge of Europe ended up such a big player in the major cocaine leagues, we must follow the white supply lines back to the beginning. We must follow the routes it has taken as it travels across the globe. And most importantly, we need to follow the cowboys who put us on the map. So join me, Nicola Talent, for my new live show, Cocaine Cowboys, the story of Ireland's love affair with Colombia's biggest export. Limited tickets now available for February 10th at the Lime Tree Theatre in Limerick, February 15th in Cork's Everyman and at Dublin's Three Olympia on Sunday, February 18th. Tickets available at venues are on mcd.ie. The Silk Road was from a very libertarian point of view. They didn't actually do any of that stuff. There wasn't any stolen credit cards. There wasn't any pornographic material. There was, there was none of that. It was just about drugs and it was about using Bitcoin. To, to push all that, to allow anonymity, like, you know, in these transactions. I had forum administrators that were there to sort out if there was a shipping issue with your heroin or your, your MMDA or whatever it was. The Silk Road, compared to what else was on the, on, the, on the darknet, was really professional looking. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. A Wicklow man who is known as Libertas Online is set for release from a notorious US federal prison after serving a sentence for his role in the Silk Road marketplace. Gary Davis is expected to return to his native Kilpeder in County Wicklow when he tastes freedom for the first time in six years as he's released from Hazelton Correction Facility. 
Today, I'm talking with Eamon Dillon about the Silk Road, about the role Davis played as an administrator on it, and about the fate of others behind the Darknet drug supermarket, which was busted by the FBI. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Eamon, so did, did Gary Davis, do you think, apply for a job online? i pull my mic in a bit. Did he apply for a job in the Silk Road, do you think? Because they had essentially got a photograph of his passport somewhere. So it looked like maybe he saw <laughs> a job online or something and went for it. I suppose the Silk Road was seen as a community. And so people who were involved, you know, who, who became trusted. And it wasn't just about selling drugs. Uh, there was a lot of, um, I suppose, libertarian kind of viewpoints and about the freedom of the internet. And this is a bold new kind of frontier for mankind. And they were going to you know, have a kind of a stateless place where people could exist and be treated. Sounds like Cyberbunker. Well, it's, look, I mean, but they genuinely believed it. I mean, and, and you know, Gary Davis, this um, young, very young man from from Wicklow, was, you know, used this in, as part of his defence when he was trying to avoid being extradited back to the States. But I mean... It's difficult for people to get their head around this. So we'll just explain in the beginning what Silk Road was. It was basically a marketplace for everything you wanted to buy, wasn't it? But it was on the dark net. So it's not just, you couldn't just pick up your laptop and go in on the ordinary internet no. that most of us use. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it's called, um, yeah, it's called the dark net. So, I mean, like you have the so-called clear net, which is, you know, sundayworld.com and all your Google pages and things like that. And you can search whatever you want for on google.com or whatever yeah. search engine. If you're from the 1990s like me, you still might use Yahoo or something. Yeah. Um, and then the deep net is all the stuff in the background, like, you know, if we're using Teams through the internet to, to have a, a news conference, net? that is deep net. Right. And then you have the, the so-called dark net, which is, you know, stuff that cannot be accessed by Google. Well, stuff on stuff on the deep net, can't, net wouldn't be uh, accessed by Google either, wouldn't come up in Google searches. But the, it uses technology then, Tor, which was developed by the US Navy and and. Basically, when you when you send a request through Google, it's little data packages go to one place, and that's all traceable. So what Tor does is it splits it up and it sends all the little bits of packages to various different servers, and they all go to the destination you want it to go, but or or to the website. So it sort of scrambles it so nobody yeah, can so identify where it. you so, are. So you're, you're not you're not lighting yourself up, you mm. know, like your 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 internet. Um, uh, your, your IP internet, address. Your IP address isn't isn't going to be you know it's not going to be found. And similarly, then the people who are running the sites, their location can't be found either. So you have to use Tor. So you have to download Tor. It's like, it's just basically, it's like a browser. And if you use it correctly, it, it is, it's very effective at being You download site. Tor then on your normal, yeah. like yeah. if I Googled Tor and then I went into it, I could download yeah. it. And then, and then you'd need, you'd need your, your, your connections. You'd need the, I suppose the, the URLs to find whatever Onion site that you're looking for. Um, you know, which again, they're not Googleable. Um, and there's loads of marketplaces out there still, you know, yeah. since the Silk Road, you know, was, was busted and gone. Uh, I said to you about Cyberbunker because of course that was the, um, you know, the German uh, server underground sort of similar to Silk Road. There was a lot of things for sale and of course George the Penguin Mitchell was involved, which is the only reason I know anything about it at all. And um, there's a documentary on Netflix about it at the moment. But that was that same kind of, thing when Cyberbunker set up, first of all, in the Netherlands, there was this group of people who believed they were creating a kind of a new 
world yeah, order yeah. and it's, that they were king and queen and they're gonna you're gonna usurp the existing kind of you know national state nation states that are there you're gonna have a, a parallel banking system a parallel ecosystem or whatever yeah and and so the, you're gonna have and, new, and new fact, laws yeah. and and new well not no not even new laws but that you, you, i mean in fairness to the silk road like despite you know the 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 idea of the dark net where anything is available and you know you have you know terrible stories of of um, people involved in selling child pornography or child abuse images, uh, and and you you've, people selling weapons and you know all sorts of stuff like that. The Silk Road was from a very libertarian point of view. They didn't actually do any of that stuff. There wasn't any stolen credit cards. There wasn't any any pornographic uh, material. There was there was none of that. It was just about drugs and and it was about um, using Bitcoin, right? Um, to, to 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 kind of. To, to push all that, to allow anonymity, like, you know, in these transactions. So were they small drug transactions, like were people going on and buying a bit of cocaine that was going that's, to be delivered to their house? That's how it started right. in, in 2011. And it was, you know, it was, it was, well, when you say small, it was a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth yeah. of, of oh, uh, drugs transactions. That's small. <laughs> and then, well, but then Gawker.com did an article in around that time and it just exploded. And it, and uh, unlike other dark dark net sites that, you know, that looked like, you know, somebody just wrote on the back of a, you know, a, a cigarette package. Um, the Silk Road, compared to what else was on the on the, on the the darknet, was really professional looking. It looked like an Amazon type right. website. It looked, you know, and it had, you know, um, had, had, you know, forum administrators that were there to sort out if there was a shipping issue with your heroin or your your, your MMDA or whatever it was, they'd get onto the buyer and there was, there was reviews. So if you, sell, if you sold bad quality cocaine, you know, there would be you'd get you know a one star rating, right. you know, for not selling the good stuff, um, and it was it was cheaper and and it was about good quality and it was about making sure. I sound like I'm adver- advocating yeah, drugs. Kind of going the sense amazing. Yeah. No, but I, I'm this is yeah. this is where they were coming from, yeah. and it was about look, it's a it's a it's up to people's personal choice if they want to inject, you know, substances into their bodies or they want to take tablets or whatever. It's up to them. Yeah. But here is a safe place uh, where you can do it and exercise your own choice. You don't have to go down a bark, you know, a, a dark alley. Right. You don't have to go meet someone dodgy, you know. Uh, and, but the and, Silk and the Road itself was sort of like, you know, it was like the Amazon. So it was connecting the customer to the seller, essentially. And in the middle, it presumably was checking out the sellers that they were okay, that they were actually going to ship the stuff and it was somehow involved in, it was obviously getting a cut, the Silk Road, of every transaction that happened. Yeah, I, I think I think it was something like 10% he was getting, uh, which if you consider it was Bitcoin in 2011, 2012, was just going through the roof. So I think it was just it was a colossal amount of money, partly because it was Bitcoin. But uh, it, it, I mean, look, it, I think if you went on as a seller and then you proved to be a fraudster, you didn't get back on again. Right. Um, and, I, I, you know, and they, they ran it well and it became trusted. And there were trusted users, like in terms of people who were buyers and people who were sellers. And then there was tr- trusted forum administrators and, you know, people who were looking after, I suppose, the back end of the customer service, which is where Gary Davis came in. Yeah. So it, so, uh, you know, I, I, sorry, I actually can't remember how he originally got it, got involved, yeah. but he, he ended up being... Um, so an, Gary Davis from Kilpetter in County Wicklow, if you don't mind. And he was one of these administrators. Yeah, on it. yeah. and there wasn't that many. Mm. Um, and he was getting, uh, I think, $1,500 uh, worth of Bitcoin a week to do this, which was, you know, considerable amount for a 24, 23-year-old at Was the he time. sitting at home in Kilpetter in Wicklow and doing pretty it? Pretty much, yeah, using in his parents' house, which we called out to and there was a... 
lovely little bungalow and nice little and I hedge around it, you know, nice middle class, well to do family. You know, they're not, he wasn't from a, a poor background. Now, it, like he. he uh, what is his background? Is he sort of computer geeky or? Well, if, if you if you read his, it's, it's, it's on the internet for anyone to, to find, but the, like there was a sentence hearing uh, statement by his lawyers in the States. This is after he was extradited from Ireland. He was arrested here, I think, in. I don't know, 2013 or 2014. So he was extradited in 2018 and sentenced in 2019. Um, uh, and, and if you go through that, oh yeah, he was, you know, he had, a, you know, they're kind of more or less saying he had an obsessive personality issues and he, he had a diagnosis of, you know, a form of Asperger's and that he'd sit so long at the computer, he'd soil himself and, you know, and he had great difficulties with, with, um, you know, with personal relationships, and but also in the same in in the in the same witness or in the same uh, sentencing statement. Then there's also, uh, you know, uh, you know, a letter from a girlfriend and an ex girlfriend saying how great he is and he's wonderful and he's helped so many people, and he's a you know he's he's such a, a lovely guy and great with his family and all the rest. So you're kind of getting a kind of a mixed a mixed kind of image from not that's just from his own lawyers kind and of. And for somebody uh, so incapable of removing themselves from the computer, he still fed into this community that was the Silk Road. Yeah, and 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 he said it came out of his obsession with Bitcoin and that he was interested in in kind of the whole. I, I suppose. Uh, it was like it is an ideological movement, you know, that's going to, mm. you know, change the, the the economics of the internet and the economics of the world eventually. So they think um, still hasn't happened, um, and 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 he was saying that's where that's where his involvement came in. It was nothing to do with you know facilitating drug dealers and all the rest. But of course, that's what he was charged with in the state was mm. conspiracy to traffic narcotics. So. And to go back to that, so Silk Road is this hugely successful, the most successful sort of underground darknet marketplace. Um, with a moral code or so they believed they had a moral code and trade was in Bitcoin. So Gary Davis from Kilpeter and Wicklow is working as one of the administrators on this site. What happens? Because, you know, it's operating and presumably the FBI become interested in it at some stage and for some reason. And how do they infiltrate it and find out who's who's in there? Oh, that's such a hard question, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll try and run through it. It's... um. It's not that it's complicated. It's just uh, my memory's not as what what it used to be. I know he he was. Um, I suppose Gary Davis was a, a bit player, and, and the the main person or uh, or driver behind it was a, a character that was only known as Dread Pirate Roberts, which right. is a character or a name that comes out of the book from the Princess Bride, which is also a movie. But the the key point about that is Dread Pirates Robert is. Yeah, he's a fictional character, but the other fictional characters in the book use his reputation to terrify other pirates or other people. Mm. And once they've made their money, they disappear into the distance and someone else becomes the Dread Pirate Roberts. So there's always this theory that Ross Ulbricht was only just one of a number of, of Dread Pirates Roberts, even though he's the guy now serving a life sentence. But um, I, th I think it, it, it well, the Gawker article in 2011 kind of put the spotlight on it and it exploded and it became, you know, a much bigger marketplace than it had been before. And then a Dread Pirates Robert Sweater, was Ross Ulbricht or not, uh, gave an interview to Forbes magazine and more or less said, you know, I, you're going to be putting me on that list of yours very soon or, or comments to, to that, uh, you know, to, to that effect. Um, and so that got, I suppose, the, the, the politicians didn't like that. Um, law enforcement, I guess, didn't like it. And suddenly there was political will to do something about it. Uh, and then, you know, which we get back then to the whole um, ability to, you know, of people to stay anonymous on the internet. And 
despite all this, you know, brilliant engineering and work, they were infiltrated. And basically, I mean, the FBI did some pretty basic stuff. They they started um, building up trust on on the site as both buyers and sellers. Um, they waited until they they got a chance. Then I think somebody in Australia was, was trying to f- um, was was good at doing larger international shipments. And at this stage, one of the FBI you know plants on on the website was saying, "Look, can you help me out here?" And of course, he gave me his actual address to right. send him his heroin to. So they, he was basically turned. So they had him. So they were able to kind of see it from his point of view. So they now had a, a, a very senior, more trusted user on the site. And then, mysteriously enough, the FBI got all the information then from uh, a server which was based in Iceland, and there's, and they claimed they got it through. They got it through this particular trick. You know, you know those captures when you you get that to prove you're not a robot, like you know, yes. click on all the Capture. click on all the yeah. pictures that have a have a, a ladder in it or whatever, or shoes or boots, or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. like you know, and. Uh, they they um they they figured out then uh this guy called Frosty had rented this and it was anonymous so they still weren't sure what to do um you know they were they were slowly making progress but so while you had kind of at one end this higher tech thing going on you had a, another kind of lonely guy i think he was D, i'm not sure if he was DEA but another another guy just started googling stuff about the silk road but he did it before uh, it became famous in the gawker gawker article so he started looking for any anybody who had ever said anything about it and he found he found a person who did a lot of uh, talking on different forums about oh the silk road this and the silk road that so his name was was uh Algegon or something. I, I can't remember the name, but he had some yeah. username anyway. And uh, so he, he realized then that he went, he found a previous one and he found and that this guy said, look, there's, if anyone wants to work on the Silk Road, let me know. And he gave his own Gmail address, which surprisingly enough was ross.ulbrecht.gmail.com. Right. Right. So for all, you know, trying to keep things secret, um, he actually used his own name on an email connected to like somebody. Not like, total rocket science. Well, this is investigated, but essentially there was no office. So there, these no. people, these administrators were all over the world in yeah. various places like our boy in Kilpeder and County Wicklow. You had Ross Ulbricht who set it up and obviously was the guy who was making most of the money out of it. Was he based in the States? Yeah, so, well, they didn't know where he was at that stage. Um, and when they got, um, th- this this researcher who'd basically Googled his way to the name of the person who was running it now, but I still couldn't be sure. It would, there was no necessarily any evidence, but like there was somebody that was involved and he couldn't get anyone to listen higher up. And then eventually he was on a conference call and... Uh, like and he had no idea of that service in, in Iceland had been breached at this stage, and that the F, the FBI were actually watching everything. They could see all the transactions going on, and they didn't shut it down. So because they were trying to catch the people involved, so they allowed a lot of um, I suppose drug transactions to go on, which they've been criticised for since. But uh, and then this investigator, I think towards the end, he said, "Oh yeah," and I think he might have used um, he might have used another name one time, Frosty. At which point that was it. They're going, okay, it looks like it's the same guy. Uh, but they had to catch him in the act. Mm-hmm. So they they realized then that he was using public libraries to, to to access the website. So they lured him out in, I think it was in San Francisco. And they had they had one of the the, the, the FBI plants on the website saying, oh, there's a problem with such and such a shipment. Can you help me out? And they waited till he came into the library and two agents started a mock fight or a row behind him when he turned around another agent uh, grabbed the laptop and they had it on. They could see that, you know, Dread Pirate Roberts was yeah. active on the site. So they had him. And that's where they found all of, you know, the, the incriminating information. And it's where they found uh, a copy of uh, Gary Davis's passport. It's extraordinary so, like that you can run a business like that, you know, 
by going in and out of a library. Well, you can do so much off your laptop. I mean, I mean how often are we now? Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> working well out of the office, but then again, I, I suppose... That, I mean, it must have taken him a while to set this up or had he, like 2011 to 2013, the Silk Road was in operation. But to set it up, like, everything has to start small. Yeah. So... But he, I, he must have reached out to a few sort of sellers as such. Well, I suppose it's, it's to, what, if you build it, they'll come from that baseball movie. But mm. uh, like, I mean, he Ulrich had at one stage, like kind of a version of Amazon, like a legal version after he, he left college. And he was, he, it was kind of secondhand books. It was a national in the US and, and there was for every transaction, there'd be a certain donation to charity. Um, so unlike Jeff Bezos, he went bust yeah. and it didn't, it didn't succeed. So he, so he he was then involved in in he became involved in in the Silk Road. Now he claimed he didn't set it up that he took it over, um, and there was th- this whole idea that there's different uh, Dread Pirates Roberts, and there was one of them. Uh, there was a Dread Pirates Roberts that was tried to order a hit on a person that they felt could compromise the site early on, um, and he always denied. Look, th- this wasn't me, and he was never actually charged with you know conspiracy to murder, and so there was there is some kind of. You know, there is some, I suppose, circumstantial evidence that he wasn't the original Dread Pirate Robertson, that there may have been others, or there could have been different people acting as Dread Pirate Roberts at any stage, but he was the one who got caught live. He was the main guy, and he was he was uh, charged with engaging in a continuing criminal enterprise, narcotics conspiracy, conspiracy to commit money laundering, and conspiracy to commit computer hacking in February of 2014. And months later, there was other charges added. 2015, the trial took place, and he was sentenced to double life imprisonment plus 40 years without any possibility of parole. That's a really heavy sentence. Yeah. I know this is the US where nobody seems to ever come out of prison. So in actual fact, Davis is quite lucky to be uh, making his way out now. But I mean, that sentence was based on the fact that, you know, he was seen as having made hundreds of millions out of this and facilitating so many crimes, the levels of which were unprecedented, never seen before. Um, but he has supporters who are actively hoping that be overturned. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's coming, I guess, from the I- ideological thing. And, and you know, it's even that the whole libertarian view, you know, of life, which, you know, a lot of the Americans are, are quite in favour of, like, you know, you know, smoke your weed, carry your gun, do what you want, you know, once you don't hurt anyone else and you don't, you know, break the Ten Commandments, you can pretty much yeah. do what you want, you know, and that, that's, that's that viewpoint. Um, I mean, they tried, I think they petitioned... Uh, Donald Trump, when he was in office, to pardon him. And Donald Trump publicly said uh, that he was considering it. Now, he didn't. He's still in Terre Haute, which is a, a federal uh, pen- penitentiary. And there's no, there actually, there is no, I discovered recently, there's no parole in the federal system, unlike in state systems in the US. So once you get a, an X amount of a sentence, that's it. They can't parole you. Like, unless you get a, a pardon or, you know, you go back to court and get a, get a new sentence. So, yeah, he's in. And he's only time. just 39. He's about to turn 40. He's born in 1984. Um, Gary Davis then. So the US identified him as being one of these administrators. And as you said, there weren't that many of them. Um, they came for him. Yeah, well, obviously it came from the, the passport on Ulbricht's laptop. Um, and they he was identified then as as the person who was using the name Libertas. So, and he, he was seen as quite a, a serious enough administrator. And what didn't really help his case was that after the original Silk Road was shut down, there was an attempt to set up a second Silk Road too. 
which wasn't doing very well until Liberca- Libertas appeared on it and telling people, don't worry, guys, this is the real deal. And mm. so that kind of, it, it kind of sealed his fate, I think, from the, from the Americans' point of view. They were de- determined to go after him. They, they probably would have come after him anyway, mm. but, you know, it was definitely, as far as they were concerned, it was another... I suppose pointer of his guilt that he, you know, he wasn't an innocent dupe or whatever, and 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 he would have written like there was stuff about him, you know, also writing these, you know, these political tracts explaining his 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 kind of libertarian point of view and that he very much shared the same views as as the Dread Pirate Roberts and you mm-hmm. know that kind of whole thing about the you know the 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 internet being the Wild West again. Would he be seen uh, as like a, was he a kind of a number two or a kind of an underling of of? I, I, it's hard to know, to yeah. be honest. Like you know, like from from reading through all the stuff, like he he was an important cog in the machine, um, uh, and was dealing with lots of different people on both sides. He was dealing with sellers and buyers, so he he was known uh, to the people who were buying the drugs and selling the drugs. So like you know, it was it was a very it was an important role. Mm-hmm. But like I mean, th- there was no great wealth uncovered. Um, like he did have, I, th- I think it was uh, there was something like. Uh, there's an element of Bitcoin, which I think eventually, when 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 he was sent back to the states, was was worth 180,000 uh, euro. Um, it'd been a lot less when he was given it when he was getting 1,500 a week to to act as a role. And he started off as as a slightly more junior version, and then was was promoted up as as he kind of I suppose um, as he earned his bones on on the site with with Dread Pirate Roberts and mm. and kind of moved up in 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 the game and all from. This little house in, or this this middle class bungalow in, in Kilpeter House in Kilpeter Village, in, in just outside of Greystones. He was extradited in 2018 from Ireland after a long legal battle, but he admitted his role in a plea deal um, in October of that year, which meant that he got the six and a half year sentence as opposed to the rest of his life with no chance yeah. of parole. And Ulbricht had a chance to do a plea deal. Right, and, and his lawyers are so confident that he was going to beat it because they were they were they want to be able to prove that the FBI got all the information from Iceland illegally. They did it through the, the National Surveillance Agency or whatever they call, and uh, the judge says no, you can't do that, and threw it out. And there was other the other evidence that there was more than one Dread Pirate Roberts. They weren't allowed to present that, so uh, all the kind of the main defense arguments were were, were thrown out. So. so Davis is about to be released, and wh- where has he been in 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 the prison system in in the US? Yeah, well, this is this is why it came up, I guess, this week that um, he, he's out on Saturday, <laughs> on the the thirteenth of January. So, and he's been in a place which rang a bell as soon as I read it was um, Federal Correction Institute, uh, Hazelton, because that's where Heidi Bulger was killed after his transfer from Florida, and <clears throat> was put into this um, area. He was in a wheelchair and uh, an Italian mobster, a hitman who's serving a long sentence, I think, in 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 the, in, in the US, uh, basically is accused now of organizing his killing and they try to cut out his tongue and they, they gouged his eyes out. And he was well in his 80s and uh, incapacitated, as you say, in a wheelchair bound at that stage. Bulger, of course, had evaded authorities for decades, but was kind of outed really as a tout, as a rat, which was why... Um, you know, that unforgivable sin of the underworld that trial followed him. Is, yeah, that trial is going ahead in December this year. So right. Might keep an eye out for that. Absolutely, one. yeah. yeah. We're doing. Um, yeah, that was a kind of a, a, a hitman style, suspected hitman or something that was behind bars and was. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a real, yeah, an Italian, a New York Italian mafia yeah. man who's serving, who's serving time for 
you know, for, for, for that kind of activity, like, you know, pretty serious stuff. And, and there was two others that he dragged into it. You know, one of whom said, I, I, he was, I think he was kind of an ordinary kind of prisoner who was sharing a cell. And was, I just remember reading a quote. He says, when people like him ask, you don't say no. And he had no real choice except to act as lookout or he, he was next. How does a guy like Davis settle in to a prison like that and cope in a prison like that? Of course, it'd be great if he would tell us that himself. But um, Well, he did. Yeah. In in at the sentence hearing, uh, he he was actually he was held in in the um, what's it called the the place in Manhattan that's the federal correctional center in Manhattan, okay. which is known as Little Guantanamo Bay okay. because of the conditions are so so poor, like it's it's infested with cockroaches. <clears throat> I think the it's not properly ventilated, so you have you know, vapor or whatever, condensing on the ceiling and dripping down. on. This is where Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell were kept and she was complaining bitterly about yeah, the conditions. Exactly, yeah. Mm. And and Gary Davis's legal team, uh, you know, would have put forward the argument that one of the reasons he couldn't be extradited was because he would be subject to cruel and inhuman treatment because this is where he'd be going. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's a fair argument, I guess, in, in some senses, but he, he, he didn't, um, it, it didn't wash with the judges. Um, and so he did go back and then we found out more about his life in, in, in the Metropolitan, uh, center when he was, uh, again in the, in the sentence hearing where it was mentioned that, uh, <clears throat> he, he spent nine months there and he'd, he'd done 35 classes. He was involved in tutoring other students. He was very agreeable, lovely man. Um, you know, he, he suffered terribly in there as well that he got skin rashes from, you know, the drips coming off the ceiling. Ugh. Uh, you know, there was very little privacy. What's in the drips? I don't know, whatever, steams Ugh. off people in there. That is like, disgusting. <laughs> don't get fixated now. And there's other stuff we can worry about. But there's 26 people into a dormitory in the place, like, you know, and you're mixing with everybody. So you could have your, you know, everything from your, your Sinaloa kind of hitmen to, yeah. you know, people who are involved in, in stamp frauds or something like, you know. And, and then Gary Davis, who's this at the time, I guess, what was he, uh, 20, 26 26 year olds from Wicklow uh, with some well, with no of, experience some of, of, of autism being dropped into this situation. But, but according, according to his lawyers, anyway, he, he, he made the best of it and, you know, he didn't get in trouble and he mm. helped other prisoners and basically made it a very positive experience and had changed his views on his libertarianism as well, you know, had gone through counseling and all that. So, he's, so is he headed for home? He will be, but I imagine he'll be doing it uh, courtesy of the, the the U.S. Customs and Enforcement, the whatever they call the ICE ICE crowd. Oh yes, so yeah. I, I presume like they'll just come and pick him up from Hazelton on Saturday or whatever day he gets going. If it is the federal system, he won't get out on you know until the thirteenth. So presumably he'd be in custody, and then it's a matter of time when whenever they get around to doing it, they'll they'll send him back. So I mean, it could be ending from the next day to six weeks later. Mm. I mean, they pretty much have the power to do what they like, guys, as we know. that There has been a few guys we know from Ireland in the last couple of years who've been sent back, different different, different people. I'm sure, um, you know, whatever else he appreciates that he's getting out of there, a young man still, um, things could have gone very different for him. Yeah, and, and do you know what? He'll, he'll probably do okay because, again, there was a letter sent into the court from a, a company called Bitcoin.com <clears throat> and they said like, well, while he was awaiting extradition, he was working for us and he was just only brilliant and we don't know how we're going to survive without him. Um, and that when he gets out, there's always going to be a job for him. So he, he look, he, he's he's able to do stuff, you know, you know, and behind the scenes on, on the internet. So... What I, happened to the Bitcoin he, ma he made? Uh, you know, he's $1,500 $1, of it a, a week. 
that was the US. What was it? There was a. I, I think it was. Is that it, it must have, banking system. It here? must have been part of the. No, it was part of the plea deal because it was. It was sent back to the states. It yeah. was like it, there was an attempt to. I think to uh, look for them back here, and that didn't work, and they were forfeited to the U- US government. And I think that the US government now have something like. I'm just looking at it here, 69,370 Bitcoins that they've taken from Silk Road and other, other cryptocurrencies. And at the time, that was worth a billion euro, or sorry, a billion dollars. And now it's worth three billion. So right. Now, they also think Dread Pirate Roberts, like, you know, made something like 20 billion. Like, because, you know, he made whatever it was, two billion in Bitcoin at the time, and it's now worth 22 or 20. Is it real money billion. like, though? I still don't well, trust Well, if, con- if, can, can, if you can convert it, yes, it is. Yeah, if I mean, you can. Yeah. And I mean, and and there are exchanges, and it is there is one of the cryptocurrencies that has, I suppose, held its own. Like you know, there's been others that are pretty dodgy to say the least. Um, they, you know, they're nothing more than than uh, just you know Ponzi schemes. Really, the more people buying them, the, the more they go up. But we do know, like I mean, I mean, the whole thing about anonymity, in one sense, it, it works and it doesn't work that Bitcoin is actually entirely traceable because mm-hmm. of the technology it uses. And the whole point of that is that it can't be duplicated. So I can't give you a Bitcoin and then keep it at the same time and send it to someone else. But it's sent then to your, your, your crypto wallet. Yes. And so while the transaction of the Bitcoin itself is tracked by the system, so we know this Bitcoin is a, a unique individual and it's never going to be, you know, different. You know, there's never going to yeah. be another one quite like it. And you have it in your, in your, your crypto wallet. When you access that, how you do that, can you know blow your blow your facade? Your can, cover, can, of yeah, course, your yeah. Cover. So that's that's where it kind of falls or if down. you lose the code, to or, get into or your, as we, yeah, uh, as who's as, that guy again? Yeah, that was. Um, I nearly felt sorry for him. Great story, uh, Collins. I can't remember it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, I'm sure he's not the only one. He smoked too much cannabis, uh, locked all his cryptocurrency in his crypto wallet and forgot the code. He didn't actually forget the code. He wrote it on a piece of paper, wrapped it up, put it in a fishing rod, and then he got caught with cannabis sent to jail. And the farmer from the uh, who owned the property he was in cleared it out, sent the fishing rod to uh, the local dump, and it got sent to China for uh, incineration. I mean, such a tragic tale. It was a new... It was a hundred and odd, like, million euro yeah, worth of it. Yeah. But of course, the Criminal Assets Bureau are in possession of the crypto wallet. They just can't get into they it. can't get into it, yeah. And they're hoping that someday, somehow, someone will figure out how to exactly. open these things. But yeah. unlikely. It's kind of a certain type of character that washes around in this world of darkness and, you know trading on the dark net of criminal activities, but they are a certain character. They they're tend to be at least a non-violent individual. Yeah. And I mean, look, the FBI made this point about the whole, the, the Silk Road that, you know, nine people had died as a result of, you know, drugs had been bought via the Silk Road. So it wasn't, you know, a victimless crime in that regard. And there was... From overdoses or something, you mean? Presumably, yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, there is, there is damage done to people. Like, but I mean... I suppose that's what the libertarians are, are, I guess they're against that. They're saying, well, look, if people overdose, you know, that's their lookout. They're mm. silly, really, aren't they? And, you know, that, that's that's their viewpoint, that you should be free if you're a grown-up adult and you're getting you're getting what you're supposed to, what you're paying for. You're not getting adulterated drugs or you're not getting yeah. bad quality, you know, uh, stuff that you should be able to use it sensibly and you know, get you, get high or do whatever you want and, and do it so it's safe from your point of view. It's still not safe to use drugs, but at least it's safer this way. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. fascinating story. So um, you'll be down knocking the door, I'm sure, 
in Kilpetter in County Wicklow to see if Mr. Davis would like to talk to us about his... Well, he did He did say to me at the time that he, he couldn't talk until his extradition proceedings were over, so right. hopefully they're yeah. over now. Yeah, because it'd be interesting to hear how he got on and what prison was like for him and, uh, you know, his thoughts now on the sort of the dark net and all the rest of it. So we, we'll see. We'll certainly leave an open invitation for him. <laughs> no worries, Nicola. Brilliant. Thanks, Eamon. Cheers. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.